You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. My name is Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here at the Vineyard Community Church at Mount Comfort. It's a delight to be in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, I'll be reading out of the NIV this morning. Uh, Romans chapter 12 will begin at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, as we come under the authority of the sound of your word, we ask that you would release your spirit, that we would have the ability to hear what you're saying to us this morning, what you're saying to us personally and corporately as your bride. We thank you for your love today. We say, Holy Spirit, come and give us an enabling grace to receive your love and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I feel like we've been in Romans 12 for ever. And I could just stay there. It is, it is so wonderful. It's probably been five weeks now that we've looked at Romans 12. We're finally getting to verse 14. As we saw in the Passion Translation, the whole beginning of chapter 12 begins with a therefore. That's in all translations because it, it has to go with everything that has preceded it. And so if you want to just get thoroughly blessed, read Romans 1 through 11. And, and be ready then for chapter 12. It seems to really kind of dovetail with chapter 8. And as you go in from 8 and then 11, 10, 11, and, and then we get to 12, we, we have this conclusion that in light of the abundance of God's mercy, what's our response to this? What are we supposed to do in light of all the merciful, loving ways that the Father has treated us and revealed to us himself? And he says, there's only one thing, surrender, surrender. I don't get tired of hearing that. Surrender. It's time to surrender. And I know I've made this and I continue to make it the point. It's not a surrender because he's got his foot on our neck. And if we don't surrender, he's going to crush us. It's the kind of surrender that comes out of love. It's the way in which we surrender ourselves to the one who loves us. 
It's that point of intimacy in our love relationship with the one that we know is absolutely worthy of all our love. And because of the demonstration of all his love to us, it is easy for us to sweetly, sweetly just surrender ourselves to him. We do that as living sacrifices. And then the Passion Translation, one of my favorite expressions, it says, so that we can experience everything that delights his heart. And I, I can't get away from that. It's with me day in and day out, week in and week out. I'm constantly saying, Lord, I know that there's more that delights you that you want me to experience. There's more in your heart of your great delight that you have for me and I've yet to experience it. So today, Lord, let me experience everything that delights your heart. <clears throat> I wonder what he's got for you today. What does he want you to know about what delights his heart? And he doesn't want you to know it intellectually. He wants you to know it experientially. He wants you to come and have an encounter where your mind understands, but your heart and your soul experience an encounter of his presence. So I love that. I, I love just how wonderful he is. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon us and lives within us and he renews us and he transforms us and he reforms the way we think. And so we have that renewing of our minds. And as a result of that, we're able to perceive what the will of the Father is. His good, perfect, and pleasing will. And, and that just takes us right into understanding who we are. When we start to understand God's will, we understand who we are in him. And I don't know if, if Paul is telling us in this section of chapter 12, don't be conceited, because when you really see how much the Father loves us and how he thinks about us, if you, if you just did it in the natural you could get really puffed up. And we find that oftentimes Paul's writing to the churches from Corinth and others about their spiritual gifts and their growth in these things, and sometimes it is so overwhelming of all that God can do in and through us and who he calls us to be and everything that we are in him uh, that we could get conceited. Hmm. And so he has to tell us, don't be conceited. Because the way of the kingdom is always a way of humility. Humility is the way we, we thrive in the kingdom. But I think it, it's noteworthy that we've got to understand that that admonition is in there, not just because we're, we're fleshly and we, we want all the glory and the honor for ourselves. No, but because of the manifestation of the kingdom of God is so powerful in us that it's easy to forget who the source is. Man, when, when, when you see the power of God flowing through you and touching hearts, whether it's through a prophetic word or whether it's through a ministry and a prayer that brings healing and transformation or whether it's a command of faith that lifts up the metaphorical mountain and casts it into the sea, whatever it is, it's kind of amazing that we've got to realize, don't get conceited. Now, when I first came into the things of the Spirit, I'd been saved and pastoring and all this kind of stuff. And, and when the, the Holy Spirit had come in a, in, a, in a fresh, in a different kind of way, uh, 
uh, I was planning a church on the west side, and God was showing up, and it was so wonderful and so powerful, and everything that he was doing, and the church was growing so fast, I started reading my own press clippings. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah. Alma's favorite. God loves me. And there is true. That's, that's absolutely true. He does. And I am his favorite. <clears throat> but it's the arrogance that the enemy can twist that. <laughs> We're his favorite because we know who he is. Not because we know just who we are. Now this is, sometimes when you talk about this identity stuff and you start talking about who we are and who he is and who he is and us and all this kind of stuff, it, gets, it, it almost gets kind of schizophrenic. Well then who am I? Who, who am I? Am I this worthy, this unworthy worm, such a sinner as I, or am I the son and daughter of the Most High? And it's like, and, and it's, it gets really crazy. You got to know who and what context Paul is writing. And that's the thing that kind of grieves me is that when we're not aware of the commands of Paul, we can pull things out of Scripture, and the enemy is wonderful at bringing to remembrance all the things where we don't measure up and taking it out of context and bringing it to us in a way that brings condemnation. When you are reading God's word and you're feeling condemnation, check with the Holy Spirit and see what spirit that is that's registering the condemnation. It's never from the Father. When we have disobeyed and we're in need of repentance, the Spirit will come upon us and there may be some guilt, but there's never condemnation. There's never shame. When our guilt slides over to shame, we know that the enemy has been at work and he's taken something that we need to adjust and that we need to, to repent of, and he's caused it to try to get into us and be a part of our identity so that the shame has a powerful effect and now we don't feel like we're who we're supposed to be. So from there, he goes on into the gifts and the graces and our faith and prophesying, speaking, and he goes through all of that stuff. And we get to finally verse 14. Bless those who persecute you, NIV. Let's look at it in the Passion. Verse 14. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you're too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug. Or even think for a moment that you know it all. Okay? Just let that settle on those that it needs to settle on. <laughs> Come on, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. 
Oh, I love that. Plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says, if you don't take justice in your own hand, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness. For your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. Is that fun? That is so good. Now I'm just going to back up one more second, and then we're going to get going on the list. Come on. This is written to people who have surrendered because they know his mercy. They are experiencing everything that delights his heart because they've surrendered to him as a living sacrifice. They're being transformed by the Holy Spirit who's renewing their thinking. They are able to uh, discern the will of God. They've received their gifts. They have a right opinion of themselves. And so they're doing this thing. And when they're, when they're preferring and they're living in the way that's most noblest for others, I want you to know this is because they know who they are. This isn't because they have a low self-esteem or they're inferior. And, and they're suffering from a, a complex inferiority that they think they're of no value and no worth. And therefore, they esteem everybody else above themselves. I think we misread Paul, we misread the scriptures so often, is that when we are to esteem others as above us, it's not because we don't have an accurate understanding of how wonderful we are. When we think that we're just, so we, we, we you know, definitely let Linda, oh, praise, because here I, I and, and we do one of those kind of things, that's not what the word of God's talking about. The Word of God is talking about that when you realize how wonderful you are as his son, as his daughter, with the giftings and anointings and the love and the identity of who you are in him, now put others above you. Ooh. Okay, that's different, isn't it? That's different. I think as Francis, as we suffered from low self-esteem, particularly my oldest sister, that it was, she was always putting everybody ahead of herself. And I'm saying, honey, 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 no, you got to stop doing that until you realize who you are. And once you realize who you are, then you can put others above yourself. Does that make sense? First, put the oxygen mask on you and then assist the ones that are flying with you. Okay? <clears throat> okay, number one. Bless by speaking. Speak blessing. Speak blessing. We want us to continue to practice speaking blessing. <clears throat> the Arthur Burke uh, blessing that we did this morning, he's got a whole book. He's got 40 days of blessing your spirit by the heart of the Father. And after you go through 40 days, he then begins 21 more days 
of blessing your spirit with the names of God. Wow. I love it. I love it so much. Listen again. And you put your name in. Listen again, Jim Coleman. (laughs) With your spirit to the word of God for you. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I bless you with ears to hear the testimony of the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I bless you with delighting in obedience in the fear of the Lord. I bless you with the Spirit of God at home in you so that you will not judge you will not judge by what you see with your eyes mere appearances or false evidence or decide with what you hear with your ears or by deceptive conclusions i bless you with being turned with being tuned in to god's eyes for seeing and ears for listening according to the spirit i bless you with being led by the fullness of the spirit of truth to call forth God's true spiritual discernment, to see things as he sees them in the spirit realm. Wow. I want you to really bless your spirit with discernment, especially as we get ready for elections. You need to have discernment today if you're going to vote. You need to have spiritual discernment Because every commercial on television is not necessarily true. You need to understand. If what they say about everybody is that there's nobody really who we should vote for, because everybody lies and everybody's a cheat and everybody does, and it's like, Lord, give us discernment. I noticed that when I was doing critical thinking, that oftentimes in, in advertising, we would show, how could you say just the opposite by not saying something else. And there's a whole way to get one over on human beings. When you focus on this, you hide this. And, and so it's misdirection, it's, it, it's what we focus on. And, and then it's focusing on one aspect of something and blowing it up as though that's representative of the whole. I don't know about you, but I've got some aspects in my life that if they blew that up, that would be pretty ugly. So let's, let's, let's bless the spirit of, of the Lord in us, our spirit and the spirit of the Lord, so that we can make a really intelligible, God-led vote as much as possible. Okay, that wasn't in the notes, but you get that one for free. Blessed by speaking. We've got to speak. The power of the word, the power of the tongue, is has got life and death. And never underestimate what you say to another person and what we don't say. It's amazing how many times I offend people because I'm preoccupied thinking about the, the, the Sunday service and I walk by somebody and I don't say hi. And now they're offended because I didn't say hi to them. And it's like, oh. The power. The power that we have to bless is amazing. Take every opportunity to bless as often as you can bless. And don't get caught in the, in the shameful way of, I can't bless so-and-so because they're above me. No. 
the one that's in you is above everyone. And we can always bless from the name of the Lord Jesus and the authority that we have in him. We bless by rejoicing or by mourning. We bless when we come along someone because we know who we are. We can be with them in, in their celebration or in their sorrow, in their grief, of learning how to be with people where they are. That's because I'm with people for their good. I'm not there for my good. I'm not being with someone so that I can get something from them. I'm being with someone so that I can offer something of the Lord to them. And so if they're rejoicing, we rejoice. I'm thinking, but what happens if they're rejoicing because they just won and I lost? They just beat me. Am I supposed to rejoice with them? Yes, you are. You get to practice humbling yourself and really learning how to rejoice with someone. This became such a way with me because oftentimes through, through my early development, <clears throat> That just changed when I hit my 60s. Um, <clears throat> it was like I never played to win. I played not to lose. And so when I lost, loss was always there before me, and that's what I tried to avoid so that when I did lose, I knew that I had to lose graciously like a good Christian. And if you lose often as I do, you learn how to really perfect the grace of being a good loser. You don't know how to do it when you win. And so all of a sudden, when you win, you aren't a gracious winner because you're not used to winning. And when you win, and, and this is talking about being there with others, whether you're in a friendly competition or you're doing life and it has to do with other things at work or in family situations that we're there for others for their sake because we know who we are. And we know that we have something to give. We've got the Lord. Blessed by harmony. Try to live in harmony. Don't you like harmony? Yeah. Don't you love it when everything's just harmonious? Yeah. Wouldn't you wish that that was the way every day was, that everything was in harmony? However, I've been with people <clears throat> that just soon as everything starts to become peaceful and harmonious, they think it's their spiritual anointing and gifting to wreak havoc and chaos and to upset everything because it's too peaceful. And unfortunately, that comes from, that comes from a, 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 an environment of chaos. It comes from an, an environment oftentimes of abuse so that when things get too good, we got to sabotage it because we don't know how to live in harmony, in peace, in the provision that the Lord has. And so we, we, we sabotage that. The admonition here is to live in harmony, to pursue it, to try to live at peace. And, and others, and a little later, it, it's in as much as it, it depends on you. Don't you become the source of contention. You try to be the source that leads to a peaceful, harmonious environment. Do not be proud. Okay, we get a couple do nots here. Do not be proud, and we've already looked at that. Do not be conceited because 
<clears throat> when things really start happening and the love of God is flowing through you and everything, it's just like, wow. And we're still developing. And that's part of the thing is that when, when we're young and we're still growing and we're still experiencing the love and the goodness of the Lord, but power is flowing through us in such a powerful way that we don't have the maturity to know how to steward it and to understand how it's happening. And the Lord's never worried about that. He knows how to correct us on one side or the other side. When, if we're too low self-esteem, he'll, he'll help us with our esteem issues. If we're too conceited, he will help and bring humility. He, he knows how to work both sides of the fence, so we don't have to worry about that. But sometimes we experience things that's above our pay grade. We just haven't suffered. We just haven't gone through the kind of things that bring about the character of Christ. And things have come so easy and so fast. I guarantee you when they come easy and they come fast, guess what? You're going to get an opportunity to suffer. Because you've got to know the fellowship of his sufferings. You've got to know what it's like to experience that. Who was it? I, I don't know if it was Sarah. Somebody. That I, I, was, I, was, I was reading one of these blessings, and it was a blessing about, and may the Lord bless you with problems. And it was just like, what? And it's in the context of this. He blesses us with his blessing, which usually makes life easy. But he also blesses us with the difficulties so that we look to him and he shows us how he has the solution for our situation. What he's doing is he's building trust. We're trusting him when things are going good because he just keeps pouring it on and it's so wonderful we trust him. But he also needs us to know how to trust him when things aren't going well. And so he, he as he blesses us with difficulties, as he's doing that for us, it's developing a, a history with God of knowing, oh yeah, I remember when we didn't have enough money for that and look how the Lord provided. I, I didn't know what to, and look how the Lord, you know, and I, I, this was going, and the enemy was trying to use it to get me to turn away from the Lord, but I turned toward the Lord and when I turned toward the Lord, this is what the Lord said. And this is how he delivered me. And his deliverance was so wonderful that now I've come to trust him regardless of my circumstances because I know he can deliver with the little or he can deliver with the much. It's kind of like Daniel. Daniel had to know about the trust of the Lord so that when he was thrown into the lion's den, he knew who was with him in the lion's den. And his trust, even in the lion's den, was based upon the history of all the problems that God had already worked out in his life. All the tight spots that he'd been in, and the Lord provided a way of escape. He had a hidden history with the Lord that he knew that his God was able. And it's kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they get thrown into the fiery furnace... They, they don't know if the Lord's going to. They just know that the Lord is faithful. And, and they, they even say that to the king. We don't know if he will, but we know that he's worthy 
and he's deserving of all our trust, and we trust in him. It takes faith to another level. It takes faith from just beyond of what we know God can do into a relational dynamic of knowing he's done this before. He's done this. I can trust him with this. Especially if he's given you a promise. Heads up for those that get a promise from the Lord. You're in a situation, it's a little difficult, and you get a promise, and the Lord says, this is my promise for you. Now, I love it when he says, this is my promise, and the next day, boom, the promise arrives. Uh, Has anybody experienced the other kind when you have a promise and the time, you're still waiting. You're still waiting for the promise to come true. Because it's in that moment, all those things, the Lord is teaching us how to trust in his promise. His promise is a promise. It will come to pass. It will happen. And the enemy is doing everything between the time we heard the promise until the time the promise comes. This is all his time to work on us to see if we really trust or we're just in it for the fish and the loaves. Hmm. Okay, where am I? Don't be proud, don't be conceited, don't repay evil for evil, which is a theme that's being repeated in this section. And I, I put the, the with up there, it's in the dative, so it, it has with context. Don't repay evil for evil or don't repay evil with evil. Don't do evil. Okay? Well, let's keep going. Uh, be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. This isn't for the socially insecure. This is for the one who's secure in Christ. Okay? Plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others out of knowing who you are. If possible, live at peace with everyone. Ah, if possible. As far as it depends on you, be a peacemaker. Nine, revenge. Do not touch. Leave that to God. Had to go off to 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, excuse me. No, 1 Peter 2, verse uh, 20, second half of 20. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So don't be surprised when you got difficulties, when you're going through hardships. You know, it's, it's understood. Here's what Jesus did. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. This, this is the developing of trust. In the midst of the difficulty, we entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. Even when, when the difficulty and the suffering is coming from the hands of human beings, we entrust ourselves to him. We don't retaliate. We don't name call. You know, I don't know how it was when you were a kid, but in, in our household with my two sisters, whoever could say the biggest, nastiest name to the other is the one that won. 
So they call you this, and then you call them that, and then they call you this, and then you call them that, and, and it just keeps going, and it escalates until finally you say something that's the end-all of all end-alls. And I had my Ph.D. and went in those arguments with my sister those times. I could just get them every time. You know, I could go after a character flaw. I could go after a behavior. I could go after intelligence. I could just go after Because I thought my gift was criticism. And, and uh, so I was so well adept at that that I could do that. And then finally, my oldest sister, the end all of all end alls, she called me the name that hit the lowest and struck the deepest inside my heart. She called me Barney Fife. <laughs> That's a low blow. And when she called me Barney Fife, the battle wasn't over. The war was over. It was like that was the end. And so my nickname to my oldest sister and my little sister, because they picked it, is Barney. They call me Barney because they know when they, Barney Fife was the end of name calling. Absolutely. Don't retaliate. Don't retaliate. Somebody will always have a, a name that will get to you. <clears throat> he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Lord have mercy. Wow. I don't know if you catch the full impact, but you know, here it's do not retaliate. Do not take revenge. Don't go. Realize that's the Lord's. Even the Lord Jesus, when he was on the earth, set us an example that we should follow in his steps. He didn't retaliate. He didn't return evil. He didn't seek revenge. He could have called 10,000 angels at any point on his passion on the, on the way to the cross, but he didn't. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Now, something in our righteousness justice filter just goes crazy when we are being unrighteously treated. When, when it's, I don't know about you, but Debbie always has to kind of reel me in sometimes when all of a sudden a salesman's trying to do his little sneaky stuff, you know, you know, and you get bristled and you're thinking, I'm not going to put up with that. Or you're in the right. You see the fallacy. You've got him in the crosshairs. You're ready to pull the trigger because you are 100% pure right. And this is how many times in life do we get to actively actively pull the trigger when someone is dead wrong and we got them and we caught them. Oh gosh. There's something inside me that gets an un, unsanctified joy out of pulling the trigger. And it's like, no, 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 no. We've got to understand the Lord is the only one. Why? Here's the power that we don't understand. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It always has been, always will be. When we get what we don't deserve, what does it do to us? It undoes us. There's a sense that when we don't get what we deserve, it just kind of melts us to the core. So much so that even you know, in the scriptures, 
let's go to the next slide. Uh, I think... Yeah, Deuteronomy, it's mine to avenge, the Lord says. And then the Proverbs, if your enemy is hunger, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will be reaping, you will be heaping, you will heap burning coals. (laughs) Let me get it right. On his head, and the Lord will reward you. Hallelujah. Okay. Now there's part of me that kind of like that, because I associate burning coals with pain. And I thought, yeah, let's do something nice so they'll suffer. You know, we want them to suffer. <laughs> Actually, you know, the, the commentators are all over the place on this. But there was, there was uh, historically in Egypt uh, a way in which when someone was truly repentant and they wanted everyone publicly to know that they have repented of their wrongdoing, they would put coals of fire in a platter on their head and would walk amongst the society. So kind of messed the, the joy of making somebody hurt. No, th- there's nothing of that in this. It's once again showing that when we treat with kindness those who are treating us with unkindness, it gives the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do something supernatural in that moment. When you suffer for doing good and you quietly bear up under it, and instead of retaliating and seeking revenge, you set an environment for the Holy Spirit to do something miraculous. Case in point, the New Testament church. When Stephen is martyred and the Christians don't go after the Sanhedrin and all of that, we see that there is a release of supernatural grace and many of of the Jewish leaders came to Christ. Anytime we bear up under unrighteous, unjust treatment, we set an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to trigger something within the unbelieving heart that catches them so off guard They cannot understand why you would treat them that way. I've got a thousand illustrations, but I won't go that way right now. But maybe just one. (laughs) When I was in the Free Methodist Church, we were having a men's retreat. And I never forgot the testimony of this one brother. He got up and and he was testifying that uh, he went to the sentencing of the man that had killed his son. This is heavy duty. And he went there and he told him that he forgave him. And it undid the murderer. And he came to Christ while he was in prison. Hmm. Never underestimate what happens when we follow God's word, when we believe it and we act on it in faith. It's so powerful. Do not overcome. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the way we do it. That's the way of the kingdom. Every time the world is hitting us with evil, we hit it with good. We, we come back with good. We need to have wisdom and understanding good from the Holy Spirit. Might not be the good that you are thinking of. But we need to understand, okay, Father, how do you want me to respond in this? I entrust you with judgment. I will not take vengeance. I will not seek revenge. I will entrust that into your care. How should I relate to those that have done this to me? Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll close with this, You have heard that it is said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, yes. Wow. This isn't about perfection. The perfect is the completeness with which love always triumphs over judgment. Love always triumphs over evil. And, and when we have those that persecute us, those that attack us, when we return good for evil, when we pray for them, when we bless them, mm, it, sets, it sets an environment and all of heaven notices. I believe that detachments of angels are released to bring forth the redemptive purposes of God on the earth. Mm. So let's love, let's bless, and let's overcome evil with good. Let's pray. We receive your word, Father. We receive your word, Jesus. We receive the fullness of your activity, Holy Spirit, upon the earth to glorify the Son and to cause us to know and to remember everything that he said and did. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're an example not only for us but of us. And so we'd strive. <laughs> now we receive, we rest in the fullness of your provision to love. And to love at the level that the scripture is speaking about today has the prerequisite of us receiving your love at that level of love so that we can do this so that it would be natural and so we invite you Holy Spirit to release the love of the Father
and the love of the Son upon us this morning. Come, love of the Lord. We open our hearts to receive. As Rick leads us in this last song, hmm, just receive more love than you've ever known. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.